bum, 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 bum. Video vampires with Jessica. And Mickey. Um, Jess, you want to tell everybody that you might be, you're a little under the weather, so that if you sound weird? I know, and I have like a throat lozenge, so like if someone can hear, because I know one of my friends was like, who clicks their pen? And I'm like, fuck, it's probably me. But if you hear something weird, it's definitely a lozenge in my throat because I'm dying. But for you guys, I'm always on. Oh, good. That's, <laughs> that's good. Um, well, I mean, we, we, uh, we fell a little behind after The Guardian, but we're back. And um, anyway, what's, do you, have you gone, to, done anything? Have you seen anything? I know you went to a show, but. Yeah, I went to see Hatebreed, which is pretty sick. I feel like a lot of our followers might, might know who they are. Um, no, I, and I haven't really gone to the theater. I've been, I started Spooky Season early, like, because I'm just ready for it. So I didn't feel like waiting for uh, for October to start my spooky season. So I've been watching a lot of classics. And plus it's nice when you have, like, people who haven't seen them. And so, like, I was all excited to show, like, a lot of these movies. So first I saw the movie Cobweb. I'm not sure if you saw it. It was, like, direct-to-streaming movie. And at first it wasn't bad. At the, and it had some, like, really – like, Lizzie Kaplan's in it. And I can't remember who else. But uh, – She's the only one that matters anyway. And there was some, like, decent parts in it. And then at first I was like, this is People Under the Stairs. And then I watched it and I was like, this fucking sucks. This movie sucks. People Under the Stairs is so much better. So I did watch People Under the Stairs and I showed my friend People Under the Stairs. And I was like, isn't it terrifying? And I explained that the last time I saw it was probably with you when we did it on the episode and I ate an edible and I started freaking out. Yeah. Uh, great movie. Wes Craven. One of the best. Cool as fuck. Uh, Cobweb, not so much. I mean, if you want to watch it for, like, something spooky to put on, like, sure, but it's not good. Um, And then I was, like, still on my freaking kick, so I watched Sorcerer, which I had never seen. And now that movie is, like, a harrowing... Like, it's much different. I don't think I, like, read anything about it. I just was going off the name. And so much different than I anticipated a movie called Sorcerer would be. Uh, what a fucking film, man. This is like, uh, this and To Live and Die in LA, like the front, like, those are so good. And then mm. when we did The Guardian, I was like, what happened to him? Um, Sorcerer is like so cool, very harrowing. Well, I mean, what happened to him is that nobody gave him the mo- the amount of money they gave him for Sorcerer ever again because it bombed. I mean, Sorcerer, like you just said, like, I didn't know what to expect with the name like Sorcerer. That was the problem with the movie is that you know, it bombed because people were like, what sorcerer? Is it like the exorcist or is it? And it's nothing like that. And it's like, and then star Wars came out same time, same weekend. It fucking destroyed every movie in the box office. So, okay. That makes sense. But yeah. like, it's such a good movie, like so dark too, at the it's end where really you're like, you can literally get through everything, like every harrowing and win at the end. And you still fucking die, bro. Like mm-hmm. you still die. Uh, and then I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but like, Right around the same time, I watched Fitzcarraldo, which is really funny because it's another very harrowing jungle story. That's a good double feature. Yeah, what a great double feature. Herzog is a fucking maniac. Like, I always knew he was, but, like, this kind of goes to a 10 when you, like, there's also a documentary, um, Mm, might be on Criterion, yeah, about him making this film, which, like, it's a testament, too, to, like, how different times are because there's no fucking way he could ever make that movie now. Like, no way. Uh, what a what an insane what an insane double feature that would be. Someone show it. We should show it somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I was uh, still on my Wes Craven kick from People Under the Stairs, so I rewatched Scream. Uh, w- like, and every time I watch it, I think I have, like, a new admiration for it. And I know this... I feel like you feel differently, but, like, I feel like Scream was, like, the perfect teen horror movie. Like, oh, it just... I, I love Scream. I just hate what happened after Scream. What, with, you like, know? Scream 2, 3, 4, and 5? <laughs> no, because I actually I really enjoy Scream 2. And I like Scream 5, but I meant, like, more of, like, the studios going, ah, oh, this is the, we got to make more movies like Scream. And so then suddenly there was a whole, like, fucking Different rush. genre. Well, it did. It created, like, a... Yeah, but it was like all these movies were like everybody's like super. It's like all WB or CW actors or whatever the fuck See, you want to call it. 
I kind of like it. And I think Criterion actually has like a pocket of movies where they're like teen 90s horror movies. Like The Faculty, great. As I uh, like Urban the Legend. Uh, see, that's the, these are like the WB people that you're talking about, right? Or yeah. like, um, I kind of like it. I think I went through a bunch of them more recently and I was like, I can't help but like them. Um, but you know me, like I'm a, I'm a fan of the nineties cheese. I just can't help myself. Mm. Um, and then on top of that, so I've been watching some classics like near dark, a friend of mine had never seen it. And I was like near dark, hard to find right now, which is funny. It's not streaming anywhere. So I downloaded it. Mm -hmm. Um, what a great movie. It's still the movie that I base all other movies on. Like what's that bones and all. I wanted it so bad to be near dark. Uh, Dr. Sleep wanted them to be like near dark. Like it just Mm -hmm. isn't comparable. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a simple film. It really is. And it's like so great. And I feel like people miss the mark because they do too much and they like forget that like there's an underlying creepiness to just like being what it is. Um, and then uh, I had an argument with a friend and I'm going to bring this up because they said that The Crow wasn't a good movie. <laughs> and I was like, when's, okay, so when's the last time that you saw it? And they said, you know, when they were younger. So I was like, let's rewatch it. And as I'm going through it, they're like, no, it's still a bad movie. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? So I'm, I kind of hate them now. They're not my friend anymore. <laughs> I just, I mean, like, honestly, like, it's funny that you mentioned both Near Dark and The Crow. Near Dark, because I'm going to be screening that for some friends in a few weeks. Oh, um, yeah. We also did an episode of it. But, yes, it is hard to find. That's why I'm, I, I clutch at my DVD and my VHS, like, you know, with a death grip. I even have a German Blu-ray, just because I'm like, I don't care if I have to go through the tedious process of switching the language, like, in the beginning. Uh, it, yeah, I need as many copies as I can, because you never know. But uh, I was, you know, a friend of mine and I were talking about The Crow, because, unfortunately, it was playing, well, not unfortunately. Fortunately, it was playing the New Beverly uh, this past month, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go, but because um, I was like the first rated R movie I saw in the theater without a parent or an adult nearby, they just waved us in. And <laughs> I, but we were talking about it, and I was just like, "There's really nothing wrong with that movie. Like, you can't make it today, I don't think, because it, it doesn't. There's something about it that's very of its time. Yeah. And also, like, because um, there, you know, there's that remake coming out with uh, uh one of the Skarsgårds. Um, the one was in the North, uh, the Norseman. Oh wait, there's a re. Oh, the Crow remake. Yeah, yeah, and it's already, yeah, being, it's already, it's already it, happening, it, yeah. right? Okay. No, no, not the one who was in it. I thought it was the one who was in the the um. He was in Succession, the North. Uh, the no, Northman Eric and... Northman, really? No, 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 no I no, think no. It's... the, the Scars Guard, the one that's in Succession. He plays uh the fucking tech yeah. bro. I'm pretty Eric sure Northman. it's him. No, okay. I think it's the other one. I think it's the younger one. Well, the point is that like the the problem, the thing about the original Crow that made it so special was that like Brandon Lee really really wanted that he like he really was a champion of that movie getting made which makes it all the more sad that he died when it got made during the making of it but like you can tell when you watch that movie that this guy he's like he he wants this is his dream is to make to be this character to like it's it's uh fuck man that movie Fuck anybody who doesn't like that movie. Yeah, there's I'm saying nothing wrong with it. Also, like, no, there's nothing wrong with it, and it's like one of these early comic book adaptions that like went really well. And I tried to make the point about like early science fiction and comic book movies, and I kind of mentioned Terminator Two because I was like, you'll get people like Terminator Two is an action film that's very culturally important. I mean, it like the production alone. And then they were like, I've never heard anyone say that Terminator 2 is an important movie. And I was like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, who the fuck? Like, obviously not my friend. Like, obviously. I was, um, I was trying to keep my mouth shut because I just watched, rewatched uh, the same place I'm showing near dark. We watched Terminator 2. Hell yeah. And, and, I, we were, <laughs> and everybody there was talking about, like, what an important cultural film it was. Okay, but it is. It is. It absolutely is. That's what I'm is. saying. Like, um... It changed a lot of things, especially in science fiction in that realm of of action movies. And it, like, literally made, you know, Schwarzenegger a star. Like, it really did. It launched him to a stardom that, like, he like he was already doing a lot of movies, he obviously. Was a star, but, like, but, like, that movie, like, yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. But, it kind of yeah. made him, like, yeah, like a god, if you will. Like, he's always going to be that. Yeah, he's always yeah. going to be Terminator. Um, and so on top of that, um, 
I also rewatched Suspiria, which is great, watching it with someone who has never seen it. Um, and that opens a world of Argento, and so I kind of mentioned, like, how I feel about Argento, like, some things are brilliant, and then some things are really trash, and so I gave my picks of, like, what they should watch. Deep Red, obviously, is my number one pick, Mm -hmm. um, and then I watched Daughters of Darkness. It's currently on Criterion. It's, like, a very, uh, like, uh, erotic, um, uh, like Dracula esque type of mo- like vampiric oh, yeah. movie, except with like a really heavy lesbian theme, which I I fucking loved. I loved it. Um, and then I watched Unfaithful, and I've seen it before. And this is I feel like one of Adrian Lynn's better better movies. Now he did um, Flashdance back in the day. He did Fatal Attraction, Jacob's Ladder. Um, I feel like Unfaithful is really good. Diane Lane's great in it. Richard Gere plays this, like, really normal guy who's just, like, driven um, and, like, driven to kill by accident, which is, like, I feel like a very real thing, and I feel like not a lot of movies or shows do it really well. I think the only things that i really seen is this movie and, um, honestly, an episode of Mad Men where, like, Don Draper is, has a fever dream and he thinks he, like, kills someone by accident uh i i really enjoyed it it's he always does these like weird erotic type of movies deep water was the last one he did which was like kind of bad but whatever um and then i also watched the new american horror story and i gotta say kim kardashian was not the worst part of it um it's only one episode so far they're going for this like at least i feel like this rosemary's baby uh, type of storyline, but, like, visually, it looks a lot like, um, what's that Cronenberg film? I'm having a blank, um, with Jeremy Irons. Why am I... Dead Ringers. Thank you. Uh, it has a very, and this is, like, I feel like a mix between the new Dead Ringers and the old one, um, and I'm, I'm kind of, like, I hate, I'm just gonna hate watch it. I also, like, hate Ryan Murphy, and I've talked about this many times in the past. Like, I fucking hate him, but I love Pose so much that, like, and I, on and off, I'll find um, American Horror Story to be, like, really entertaining, but sometimes he just does too much. Like, the last season of American Horror Story had a very cruising feel to it. Obviously, um, there's, like, straight and I say rip-offs, but, like, they're odes to cruising in it. And then he just, like, goes over the top, and you're like, what is this dude's problem? And now I watched it, and I'm like, okay, like, I see what he's doing, but, again, it's probably just going to end up being really terrible. And I'll watch it, and I'll continue to hate him, and that's how I feel about it. But that's all the shit that I've watched. Wow. Um, yeah, it's just funny because there, there's a lot of, like um... – you know, similarities. Inter- similarities, yeah. Uh, so, I also have been. I mean, I, I, I feel like I celebrate spooky season all year round, but technically, yeah. <laughs> I, start, I start like mid August, and so, um, and and we talked about this when we saw the Guardian. But um, I I saw um, we saw Poltergeist in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, and then we went to uh, we went to Universal. Halloween Horror Nights, which was not the same as it used to be. Uh, now it's like, I feel like it's overcrowded. It's like you wait in like, you know, super long lines for like, just to get rushed through an, a, like a house that's like, would be amazing if you didn't have to wait an hour and a half to go through it. Um, there's just something about this doesn't seem like uh, they, back in the day when I, you know, back in the day, like 10 years ago and, and you know, up until pre-pandemic, it always felt like they did the houses that were like the popular ones for like, you know, Stranger Things, which is always going to be popular because kids or whatever, you know, and, and, but they would also do like, um, like they'd also do like kind of these niche ones. And when I say niche, I just mean like American Werewolf in London, like how many kids these days know about that fucking movie? And yet they did this amazingly lovingly recreated scenes from, America World in London as a haunted house. It was wonderful. And like, yeah, it wasn't the most popular one, but you know, uh, if you're a horror fan, it, it's fucking great. 
And now it just seems like they don't do that anymore. Like this year, they did the they did another Exorcist one, but this was Exorcist: The Believer because that movie's coming out. Which I don't know how I. I mean, I think it actually looks quite terrible, but I'm gonna <laughs> see it, I'm gonna see it out of like some perverse sense of like, um, you know, uh, why not? I don't know curiosity. Yeah. But um, if the haunted house is any indication, I'm not gonna enjoy it. Um, but so we did that. That wasn't so so much fun. But I also have been. You know, I've got this whole like next two months planned out, me and my wife and some friends and everything. And so uh, some of the, the evenings that we're having are just between me and my wife. So I showed her um, 13 Ghosts, the original William Castle, 13 Ghosts. But oh, we nice. Had, we watched it in the original format where like um, he had uh, you would when you went to the theater to see it because William Castle had all these gimmicks. Um, you, you would get these like kind of they're not quite 3D glasses. They were, it was like a, a piece of cardboard, a viewer that had a blue strip and a red strip. And the reason why you had those is because when the screen would go blue, you know, because the, the, a few moments during the movie, the screen would go blue, and yet, and he filmed the ghosts in blue as well. So when you looked, looked at them through the red viewer, you could see the ghosts in the background. Like, um, whereas if you looked at it through the blue one, you didn't see the ghosts at all. So it was like, if you believe in ghosts, look through the red one. If you don't believe in ghosts, look through the blue one. But you'd be cued by the screen changing to blue. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, so we watched it like that because I actually I had two of the ghost viewers. And then um, last week, my wife, I didn't realize that she had already watched it with me years ago. But I, I, we rewatched Funhouse, the Toby Hooper film. And then we went and got milkshakes afterwards. That was a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the fun house. I'm a big fan of a lot of like Toby Hooper movies, like the really good ones where you feel like you want to take a shower afterwards. Cause it's just, there's just something so dirty, not like sexual, but like just grimy about these movies, like <laughs> chainsaw, um, eaten alive, which we did an episode on Texas chainsaw Two, which we did even life force, which is flashy. There's something about that movie that just makes me feel like, Oh, I gotta, I, I love it, but I'm like, I gotta take a shower now, you know? <laughs> And I feel that way even about The Mangler, which is not a great movie, but I still love that movie very much. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that Toby Hooper was even able to attempt to make a movie based on a Stephen King story that's about a haunted a haunted laundry press, I'm like, you know, kudos. Uh, so, you know, we watched those, and then um, I rewatched Terminator 2 with some people we did an outdoor screening. And again, it was just one of those like, yeah, this is movies. I I prefer Terminator One. I like I, I as a movie. I know we've I we've talked about this, but I, I can I can also still go. Yeah, Terminator Two is just light years above as far as most movies go. I mean, like it is. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's huge. You know, it, it um. I mean, it was a fucking big deal. Even to the point where it was also one of those movies. I think it's really funny that like, you know, movies like Terminator Two, and then later on like after that like demolition man but even like you know robocop and all these things where it's like these were clearly r-rated movies and in the case of terminator 2 like i thought about it i was like because for terminator like for a lot of people terminator 2 is the first r-rated movie they saw in the theater with their parents again they, their parents took them and everything it's i mean like when i watch that movie it's like it's still an r-rated movie there's still some pretty like yeah i i would i i think the ratings fits i i would I show it to a, a kid now? Maybe, but I wouldn't, you know, I don't know. Point I'm trying to make <laughs> is that they, they made these toys for this clearly R-rated film that they were marketing for kids, you know? Like, I remember having a Terminator Oh, 2 I have one. Yeah, I still have one. I remember that. And I had this Terminator 2 mask, that Halloween mask you could get. It was like, it was the half, it was a half of the, um, like the exoskeleton face, the skull. And you would put it on your face and you'd put like the the skin around it so it looked like your skin was falling off but you had like you know the the metal and the eye and it had a button you could try and it was it was for kids it was like you know you buy it was like you can buy like freddy krueger makeup very similar thing so i just think that's really interesting and then um my wife and i went and saw talk to me which i very oh very, yeah i very much recommend that movie it's very i think uh, i talked about it a little bit did you yeah because i saw it yeah, yeah it's okay i like I, it I enjoyed it a lot. I, I, I think it it's really good. I I did really like it. I think it was proposed. I, I don't like the ads, and now I just feel like I should never watch an ad again because it was like the twist on, on modern um, possession. It's like, it's not a twist. No, it's not. It's not at I mean, all. It's literally just a possession film, which I like. I was going to say it's good. It's really yeah. good. I like the hook that, like, you know, kids are doing it as, like, kind of like the way, like, you know, uh, for thrill seeking I, I love the idea of like getting possessed just for like kicks 
that to me was a really fun idea. I also, I'm a big fan, and, and you know, horror is a, this happens in horror all the time, is like that one fucking thing you did, that one mistake you made, just, it just spirals and just gets worse and worse and worse. Like, The Fly, if, if Seth Brundle hadn't gotten drunk and gotten jealous about Gina Davis going to talk to her old boyfriend, mm-hmm. and he hadn't hopped in the teleporter... He would never have turned into a, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like that one fucking thing you do that you can't just go, oh, I'll just fix it later. You just, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And I really liked that aspect of talk to me a lot. Um, just the, the spiral of like, just, you're yeah, fucking, one you're, you're bad fucking, decision. You're doomed. Yeah. And then um, I don't know how I feel about them making it into a franchise. That to me is a little bit more like, ugh, you know, must we do that? And I'm somebody who loves franchises, but like, there's some movies where I'm just like, no, nope, leave it leave it alone you know kind of like the exorcist although exorcist 3 is like a fucking work of art and i think exorcist 3 is fantastic in <laughs> fact one of the reasons why an I, episode on exorcist 3 i think we talked about it i'm oh, not okay I, I, i'm i'd have to go back and remember but like, <laughs> no. I, I think exorcist 3 is is fantastic in its own right as like as a standalone movie i think it's just it's it's fucking great and that's part of the reason why i'm not as excited for the new exorcist is because i was listening to like um I was listening to an audio book about like the legacy of the exorcist films. It's a book that's out in bookstores now and everything. You can go check it out. But I was listening to the audio books. I was going to the gym and I'm, and at the end they had an interview, a transcribed interview with David Gordon green, where he like was like, like, so how are you going to reconcile the other exorcist movies? And he's like, well, you know, there's some good things in two and three. And I'm like, I'm sorry, some good things in three, three is a fucking great. Like if you're, if, if you as a director cannot look at what William Peter Blatty did, as a director in Exorcist 3 and go, that's fucking brilliant, then I don't... I, you've lost respect as far as I'm concerned because, like, it, William Peter Blatty, he directed two films, The Ninth Configuration and Exorcist 3. Now, both of them are based off of books that he wrote, so it, it goes, you know, it, it's a little cheating, you know? It's like, this guy's got his vision, he's, you know, he's not interpreting it any other way. Mm-hmm. But his fucking directing in both those movies is off the charts. It is They're both amazing films and directed so well that any director that just can't acknowledge that and just say yeah this movie's fucking great fuck them um so uh but that, that's how you feel about the exorcist and um and the franchise for that matter but uh we also saw bottoms which i thought is fucking fantastic i heard I, good things about it i it, i thought the trailer right. was funny um i love both of those girls mm-hmm. people yeah, it's great it's great women it's fantastic. Um, I would recommend it. And yeah, I think it's streaming now, but we went and saw it in the theater and it's just, it's, it's really fucking solid. Uh, really great, great movie. Um, Beyond Fest is, is happening. And once again, as it happens every fucking year, they just cannot get the ticketing sorted out. Like, um, they tried something new this year and it was just like, it was such a disaster. What was new about it? Um, they put you basically when you, when you go in to buy a ticket, you get put into a, when you go in when you click on the link for Beyond Fest, they put you in a waiting room. Mm-hmm. So like, so, and you know, you just and then once you're in the waiting room, you've got like five or six minutes to kind of go through and, you know, get your pick your tickets that you want, and then you know, check out and everything like that. It it, it just I doesn't understand because we you know, and I, <laughs> I I'm not trying to promote the company that we worked for, so that's why I'm not going to mention them by name because I'm not exactly a big fan of them. But holy shit, on a on a weekly basis, we had to deal with like major like ticket sales, you know, where it was like, oh, we're going to have a lot of incoming traffic. Let's build servers for it. Let's get servers prepared for it. It's doable. You, Beyond Fest has been going on for almost uh, over a decade now. It's not hard. Figure it the fuck out. I ended up getting one ticket. Honestly, there was just like most of it because because the Egyptians still being renovated. Yeah. A lot of their screenings are at the Arrow, and then a lot of the free screenings are at Lowe's Field is three. But a lot of the movies that I would have gone to see were at the Arrow. I am going to one this weekend. It's a Roger Corman four film uh, retrospective of well, and by Roger Corman I mean like he's movies that he produced and I think and one that he directed if I'm not mistaken. But it's Rock and Roll High School, which was directed by Alan Arkish. Um, Eat My Dust, with directed by Ron Howard. Um, Piranha, directed by Joe Dante. And then The Raven, directed by Roger Corman. And then all of those people are going to be there afterwards. Now, I don't. am I going to sit through all of them? I don't know. I definitely would love to sit through... Uh, I, I'm going to see Rock and Roll High School because I've wanted to see that in the big screen for God knows how long. I was going to go to the New Beverly um, in 2021 or 2022. Well, 
And yeah. I, got, I got I got COVID that, and so I was like, I couldn't go. I was that and get crazy, and I was like heartbroken because I wanted to see those both in the on the big screen. So. So I love, and this is like crazy because this year is so good. But like one, I kind of am grateful that the Egyptian isn't over open yet because I am not in LA anymore, and so it makes me happy that no one can enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But two, like it kind of sucks, and I I feel snobby saying this, but like. There are times where, like, I you could get a ticket for everything. Like, I was going to, like, seven movies. It was, like, the best time of my life. And now, like, it's so difficult to even get one ticket for something. And it's so fucking frustrating. And, like, in terms, like, it's great that there's a popularity for it. But, like, on the other hand, like, they never had problems selling out things. But it was, like, for people who loved movies. And now I just feel like it's, like, a commodity, like... Yeah, and no, that I mean, I sounds agree. like shitty saying that, but like whatever. But I did hear about some of the stuff like they're showing Manhunter with Michael Mann, which like honestly is just so cool. Like that's yeah. the coolest fucking thing I can think of. And they're also showing The Abyss, which I love I do with love James that. Cameron, which I feel like would be so cool. But you know what the funny thing is, is that because um, I was thinking about that, because like the Cameron thing where it's like I went to a, me and a friend of mine went to a screening of Aliens and The Abyss. And James Cameron was in the, you know, came out in the, he, he did a Q&A in the, in the middle of the two. And he was, he was still editing the original, the first Avatar. And so he came out, did a Q&A. It was actually one of my favorite Q&As because it's like everything you've thought about James, everything you've ever heard about James Cameron is true. He is that type of asshole. But it was really fun to see him being that type of asshole and mm-hmm. like shooting down people who were like tiptoeing around. Hey, I heard you're an asshole on set. He was like, you know, it was great. But I was able to go to that. It was a, it was a, you know, it was a packed screening at the Arrow, but like it wasn't impossible to go to. And how I feel about the about Beyond Fest is kind of how I feel about the new Bev now. It's like I, I reminisce about the old days of the new Bev, you know, pre Tarantino owning it or or being publicly owning it as opposed to privately keep donating money to it to keep it in business, um, which was that. People are going to the new. I, I, not everybody. And there's still, you know, you still get the same. You get at least some of the same crowd that used to go there just because they were like, I want to see this fucking movie on the big screen. But then you've got people who are going there because it's a, uh, it's Tarantino's. It's theme. Tarantino's, yeah. And, and I kind of feel that way about Brain Dead Studios. I, I, I'm a hater to be honest. Um, and like the Cine Family people are not the same people that go to Brain Dead. They're just not. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Yeah. Um. And they can, like, fancy up their, you know, what they show all they want. But it's, like, commercialized now. I, I and to, I, I kind of hate it. I went. To, I was talking to somebody about Brain Dead because I still haven't gone. And I know I should. I Just to go. Just to see, you know. And the guy, I was talking to this one guy. And he was like, no, it's not the same. It just, it, it feels like it's just like a, a big advertisement for their clothing line. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, that's weird, because they have really good programming there. Like, I was, I, they, their schedule came out for October, and I was like, that's a fucking good, that's a good lineup of movies. But um, I, it's just, there's something about it. And, like, again, like, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like a snob and being like, oh, I liked it when it was before it was cool. But it's I like, am. <laughs> but it's, it's I, I liked it when you would, when these places were places you went to because you loved to go see a movie, not yes. because of it is a... Uh, like again with the new Beverly where it's like oh well this is you know for some people it's a mecca and that's fine I'm not I get it I get fandom real I get it but it's like fuck man I used to be able to get I remember being able to go to the new Beverly and going up to the front and being like I want a ticket for tonight's showing of Fright Night and Nightmare on Elm Street 3 and it'd be in the middle of the both movies so they'd be like you know yep go ahead and I'd go in there and be like maybe 15 people in the theater and I'd get to sit down and just, you know, catch or pick up where, wherever the movie was and just go see it. Now it's like, it's, it, you know, there's lines out the fucking door and like good on them. Good for business. I get it. I, I understand it, but it's like, it just sucks because sometimes I feel like, like I said, the people there aren't there to see the movie. They're there to, to be seen or to go or to be seen at Tarantino's theater or to be, you know, yeah. Or, or to be or, or to be seen at you know there and it's just like it's it bums me out and I kind of feel like Beyond Fest is becoming where it's like it's like when it's like my pro always my had my problem with Mondo where it was like we're putting out this this awesome print of this awesome movie but guess what we're only gonna do a hundred copies so you know and then you had these people who are like you know bombarding the website like on the morning of so they could buy ten copies and then flip nine of them you know and it's like 
it, it became less of a, a thing about art and more a thing about like, like yeah. you said, a commodity. And it really, it, it, it made me, it makes me sad. So, um, you know, I, we'll see. It, it kind I of know. Yeah. It's like my dream is still to own my own movie theater and just show movies that I like and have no one else come to them. <laughs> like... yeah, I mean, that, that's been a dream I've had too, where it's like, well, I'm not to show movies that I like and nobody comes to, but like when I show movies and then like if people like have people sign a waiver that if they talk during the movie they get there i have permission to execute them publicly. <laughs> um because i feel like that's right. fair <laughs> i think so too i really do it's like hey man you can come in the movies are a dollar you can come in you can spend a dollar coming if you fucking talk i get to wipe you out and um you know uh but yeah so i mean i'm gonna go i mean i'm going to a movie for, uh during uh, one of the beyond fest events and everything but it is it's been, it's been tough it was also a lot different like again i think it was a lot easier to get tickets when it was spread out between the egyptian and the arrow because the egyptian's fucking huge you know i would argue that it's bigger than the arrow and um it's also for some well, people they fucking destroyed the the balcony so who knows sure but like uh, yeah that's true but like also, as the Arrow, as much as I love going to the Arrow, because I really do, it's one of my favorite theaters in this in this city or in this area. Um, it is inconvenient to go to the Arrow, just as the some for some people it was inconvenient to go to the Egyptian. So I feel like it was nicely spread out. Where if you really wanted to go see a movie that was playing at an inc- a place that was hard to get to, you you went to it. But otherwise, you'd be like, oh, I'll just go catch Suspiria at the Egyptian. That's that was what I loved about Beyond Fest, and, and I get it. It's tough. The Egyptians going through whatever it's going through. But the Los Feels Three is just too small of a theater to accommodate a big festival like of of, of Beyond Fest's nature. So, you know that's that's what's happening. We are going to go to another haunted house, kind of continuing the Halloween festivities. We're going to um, Reign of Terror, which is in Sherman, uh, no Thousand Oaks, and it is fucking wonderful. We went last year. It was way better than Universal. I'm hoping that they can kind of keep that on track. And then we're going to go to Zombie Joe's, which I described. I Every time I describe to people, you can I can watch the moment that their faces just like, go, nah, it's not for me. Where it's like, <laughs> oh, it's like, it's like a, a, a you know black box theater, weird like kind of horror, but like also comedy. Like there's because I find myself laughing at a lot of them, um, like stage show and stuff like that, like weird avant garde um, vignettes that are like maybe two minutes max, and it's just you know some of them are really funny and in a gross like John Waters like oh that person's shitting on that person's face. Not really, but you get, you know, but that's the, that's what you're supposed to believe is happening. I hope, but I'm like in the back of the theater cackling because I think it's the funniest fucking thing. Whereas people are just going, oh my God, oh my God, she's shitting on his fucking head. And I'm like, yeah, it's fucking <laughs> great. Um, and then sometimes they're like genuinely fucking spooky where it's like people wearing all black. Cause it's like, there's just, there's no light in this black box theater. It's just a one single spotlight. Um, but look, somebody would be dressed in all black and they'll be wearing reflective tape so that you can't see them for their bodies. You can just see the tape moving and it's just like really cool shit. Um, but we're going to do that this year as we always, as we've been trying to make a tradition of going every year. And then I'm going to the Arrow Horathon in October, late October, um, a few days before Halloween. Uh, hopefully the people that went last year that I sat behind in front of that were like talking throughout the entire fucking thing, um, aren't going to be there. Um, so, you know, we can always knock on wood for that. But that's that's my spooky season so far. Um, I'm going to be showing Near Dark in a few weeks. Hell and then yeah. I'm showing Night of the Demons the week after to some people I've never seen before. And then, um, and then I'm going to show people Psycho 3 because I feel like that's such a great underrated movie. And I, really I don't know people. if I've ever seen Psycho 3. It's, okay. it's good. It's uh, It's... They were clearly like they made Psycho Two, which was way better than it had any business being, because it's a sequel to Psycho. It's, it's what thirty years later, twenty years later. No, it was twenty years later, and they're making a sequel to a classic. And somehow it actually is a really good sequel. And then they're like, "Oh, we need to make a Psycho Three. What's popular right now? Oh, slasher films. So they're they're trying to make a Psycho film as a slasher film, which is funny because Psycho is." They're kind of like the grandfather of slasher films, but it's still like, let's make a sleazy 80s slasher film. Oh, who's going to direct it? Anthony Perkins. Great. Anthony Perkins is obsessed with, he's like, he loves indie or, or, or European art house films. So there's a little bit of that in there. There's a little bit of a slasher film in there. And then, um, and then there's just like a psycho movie with Jeff Fahey in it. And it's really fucking good. Um, it's, I really dig it. And I, if you know, I recommend people check it out because it's, it's 
kind of fantastic. It's not as good as Psycho 1 or Psycho 2, but it still got has a very special place in that fucking franchise. Um, that's my spooky season so far. And then uh, we were kind of going back. It's funny you mentioned Argento because I wrote some notes down to kind of circle back to that. Um, but we are trying to do our international films. And even though we kind of cover Italy anyway in a lot of movies that we watch, I really wanted to, you know, do Italy this 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 episode. And so I went with City of the Living Dead by Lucio Fulci, which I think is the first Fulci film we've done. No, we didn't. Did we do? I thought we did The Beyond. Mm-mm. We've only talked about it. We talked about it are in... You sure? um, I'm uh, 99.9% sure. I know we've mentioned it in like um, when we when we used to do those like, you know, stay at home marathons. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we ever actually did an entire episode on the Beyond. Again, I could be completely, I could, there's that 0.1% that I'm wrong, but you know. <laughs> 0.1%. Yeah, no uh, which this is kind of funny because I don't think I ever realized that it was like a, a trilogy. It says like Gates of Hell trilogy. And I was like, it is? And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, that, you know, makes a lot of sense. Uh, So, yeah. Um, Do you want to give the synopsis? Yeah. So, um, it's kind of like Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy, which is three movies that are unrelated. But, yeah. But they they have a connective, like, theme, you know? And this one, you're right. This one's the first in his Gates of Hell trilogy. And the premise is, is probably my favorite out of the three, which is a small town called Dunwich, in, I think it's supposed to be New England, but we'll find out later where it's filmed. I'll mention that in a bit. Um, uh, it's a small town, kind of off the map. Um, a priest commits suicide and has now opened the gates of hell. And this psychic who has this vision of this gets buried alive. But then, don't worry, because she gets <laughs> rescued um, by a reporter, a journalist, and the two of them team up to go to Dunwich and figure out what the fuck is going on. Meanwhile, there's a psychiatrist there who lives in Dunwich and he's trying to deal with like, what the fuck's happening in this town? You know, like all these people are, are dying and then showing up later and they're really, people are vomiting their guts out literally. And, um, what the fuck's happening? So, uh, that's, that's kind of the loose plot. And I, I'm, I'm not lying. I mean, that is the plot of the fucking movie. There's not a lot of like, there's no not a lot of B plots. There's not a lot of nuances or anything. This is the plot of the movie. Priest hangs himself, opens the gates of hell. Three people try to like figure out what's going on, and try to stop it. That's the fucking movie. But I kind of love it because it's very simple and like it kind of makes sense because when you think obviously like one of the sins are you can't kill yourself or you go to hell, and to think of a priest knowing that and then doing it anyway is like i get it it sets it up for like you know opening the gates of hell like what else could open the gates of hell besides that um so i did really like it i i also think it's really funny in in certain ways like there's a scene um and i'm a little ahead of myself but the maggot scene (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I love, so, like, there's a scene where there's just, like, maggots being float like, all over your face, all over your hair, like, just, like, maggots all over the place. And um, I find out that they're, like, real maggots. And oh, yeah. that Fulci just, like, straight up just used, like, hundreds of pounds of maggots and then, like, put them on a fan and just, like, blew them into the actors. Like, and, and, so let the camera, and let the camera roll for a while because Catriona McCall, who is the lead in actually all three of the the gates of hell movies she was saying that she was like clearly she's like when you're watching it you can see that i'm upset but he just let it go because you know even though she got along with him for the most part fulci notoriously hated actors so he loved fucking fucking with them as a revenge one of the actors they don't know who for sure but there's there's speculation as to who it was took a bunch of those maggots and snuck them into Fulci's like kind of his little backpack where he kept his pipe and tobacco so that when he reached in for his pipe, he pulled out a handful of maggots. So, um, yeah, that's deserved. I feel like for being like tortured for hours with actual maggots, like I would not, I could not, but this movie, it's kind of weird. It's like, it's a little janky because in the beginning you have this, um, what is she like a medium or clairvoyant? Uh-huh. Uh, and she, like, I don't know if she's, like, could tell what's happening with the priest or, like, when he kills himself, it, like, affects her, but she dies, and then she's buried alive, and then the cop investigating her death, right? No, he's or a something. journalist. He's a journalist. Oh, he's a journalist. I always yeah. thought he was a cop. He looks like a cop. 
Well, because he's um, playing him like a cop. I mean, he's he's doing yeah. it. In a, yeah. In a cop, very cop way. Yeah. Um, like, here's her screaming. So this is the part where I think it's funny. They literally buried the coffin, like, right above <laughs> yeah. the, the uh, ground line. But it is kind of funny because the two guys were like, oh, we're done for the day, and the guy's like, dude, that's an open grave, and they're like, who fucking cares? She doesn't, like, dead. And then they leave, and you're like, what? And then he hears her screaming, and, like, this is the funniest part. He hears a live person screaming and then takes, like, a pickaxe, and he's literally pickaxing the coffin to try to get to her, but, like, bro, that's a fucking pickaxe, and you're putting it right through the coffin. Like, you don't think that, like, you're going to hit the live person? But he didn't. And he gets her out, so of course he's the savior. And then she somehow convinces him, not very good at first, but like, hey, like, people are coming back from the dead, obviously, and the gates of hell are opening up, and we gotta stop it. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, it's funny you mentioned that scene specifically because the blonde gravedigger, um, yeah, his son and I were very good friends for a, a while. We just, you know, we drifted you know just kind of lost touch with each other or anything but we went to denny's in on sunset maybe every other night for a, almost a year and we never talked about any of the movies that his father was in because you know his father was also in that, that same actor was also in cannibal holocaust um cannibal ferox you know like we never talked about it like never came i mean like i knew that i knew about it but we just i never felt comfortable being like so tell me about your, let's talk about your dad in these movies that he was in because you know that's weird, but we would we we. I, I just thought it was funny because every time I see him, I'm like, oh yeah, I wonder how his son is doing because we've lost touch. But we used to go hang That's out at funny. Denny's all the time. I mean, literally, we'd walk to Denny's at like three in the morning to the point where the wait staff knew who we were because they would just like recognize us from the night before. Um, I, I that's one of the things I love about this movie. I, I think ultimately in the, in the Gates of Hell trilogy, I've got a soft spot. I, I can find I could argue why one of the movies is better than the other. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they're all kind of like equal to me as far as enjoy, like what I enjoy about them, but they're all, I enjoy the, I enjoy the beyond for different reasons than I enjoy city of the living dead. And I enjoy, you know, house, of the, um, house by the cemetery for different reasons than I enjoy either one of those. You know, uh, I think I love the beyond because it's more surreal. Um, yeah, I, think, I, I, I love the beyond. Yeah, it's. I think the imagery and like the camera work in, in the Beyond is just beautiful. Like that last shot is just something is breathtaking to me. As far as like, it gets me excited when I watch it. Whereas this one, I think what I like about it more than any of the other ones is that all of these actors are kind of horror movie staples, and I'll, I'll kind of go through it. Like Christopher George plays the um, the journalist. Now Christopher George was the actor whose name I was trying to remember. I think an episode or two ago when I was talking about pieces because he was in a bunch of uh, movies with his wife, Linda Day George. They did um, they did pieces together, which if you haven't seen pieces, fucking go watch it. It's it's insane. Um, they did Mortuary that was starting starring a very young Bill Paxton um, or a young Bill Paxton, not very young. Um, but he also, you know, he's, he's also in Dixie Dynamite with Warren Oates, not a horror movie, but a great exploitation film, a lot of fun. Um, but, he, you know, he, so he's a frequent, you know, he's a familiar face. Yeah. Tatiana McCall, again, she was in this one. She's a British actress. She was in this one. She was in Beyond. She's also in House by the Cemetery. Um, Giovanni Lombardo Radici was in Cannibal Apocalypse, which we did an episode of. Um, he's the one, he's the weird guy. Okay, here's a character that I think is fascinating in City of the Living Dead. He's kind of like the town misfit. He's the guy. Everybody is kind of um, like, oh, that guy, and what he, you know, he's bad. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. And and, and, <laughs> um, and he he's he doesn't he you know he doesn't have a place to stay, so he's like he's hiding out in this one girl's garage. And she's like, don't let my father see you. Her father does find him, and instead of like beating him or like punching him or like whatever, because the guy's freaking like, I'm sorry, I didn't know where else to go. I just need a place to stay. He puts the guy's fucking head to a, you know, he takes this guy, the father, takes this guy, puts it to, to, to a drill, and drills through his fucking head. Like, I'm like, man, that's an overreaction if I've ever seen one. <laughs> and they don't, they don't go, like they're, like, they're not like, oh, he got, he was like, the weird shit that's going on in the town has kind of taken over him, and it's made him, it's like, no, he straight up overreacts, takes the town misfit, and puts a drill through his fucking head. Anyway. The town misfit is uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. He was in Cannibal Apocalypse. Um, he was on House on the House on the Edge of the Park, 
with regard to the Diodato movie um, after Cannibal Holocaust, which starring um, David Hess from Last House on the left. Uh, House on the Edge of the Park is a very brutal movie. I think it's fucking fantastic. I think people should check it out, knowing that it's going to fucking bother them and disturb them. But uh, Giovanni um, Lombardo Radici plays like a kind of David Hess's like kind of stupid lackey. They do terrible things in this movie. These two characters do terrible things in this movie, yet he somehow managed to make them a little bit sympathetic. So I think that's a testament to how just how good of an actor he was. He's also in Stage Fright. He's also in The Church. Yep. Which is funny because the guy... Oh, Michele... Michele Michele Suave. Yeah. 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 Suave. How the fuck do you say his name? Michele Suave. 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 Yeah. Suave. Yeah. um, (laughs) Yes, the dude. He's the guy in the car when the girl pukes her guts out and everything like that. He, he He shows up in the movie Demons. He directs Stage Fright, The Church, Cemetery Man, which we also did an episode of. Um, he the church a- is so wild. That's another thing. That's another Beyond Fest movie that I'm a little jealous that they're seeing on the big screen. But the church is fucking bonkers. And and Wicker Man's playing an Italian movie. staple, an Italian home uh, name. Once you can also, say it, they're also showing a fucking restored cut of Cemetery Man, which I'm really excited about because we did an episode of that, and that was I remember yes. Cemetery Man as a movie that when I was a teenager, I think it was my actually it was junior high. I had to rent a copy of that because I read about it in Fangoria. I had to rent a copy of it at some fucking store in Cambridge, Mass. That had like a back section of bootleg European films, and um, I would, you know, they, they were like ripped off of laser discs and everything like that. And I would, I had to rent <laughs> that, and I had to set up two VCRs and I had to make a copy of a copy because you couldn't find it anywhere. And then I got it on DVD, and then I sold it you know, years later, and then I sold the DVD. And then when I realized that you couldn't buy the DVD again, I ended up paying like you know, 40 bucks for it because I was like, I have to own this movie. It's fucking like, I still have the cemetery man video though, that I have where I cut out like pages from Fangoria magazine and made my own really shitty. That's, a- <laughs> That's awesome. And I still have it. Like my wife borrowed it for something uh, in a scene she was doing for acting class. She's like, can I borrow this tape? I was like, I do. You can borrow the tape, but you got to take really good care of it. Cause I know this, this looks like a child fucking taped this onto a VHS because a child did it was me i like this this video has a, a sentimental spot in my heart um but yeah so it's it's this movie is great because it's got these like rec- you know for me it's like oh i i know that person from that movie i know that person from this movie it kind of opens up like it's like a i i see michele suave i'm like oh man i really want to watch cemetery man again um so i i do love this movie for that i also the thing that i wanted to mention about fulci though is that um and i do love fulci i have i have a nice I think I have a nice, sweet little section of Fulci in my DVD shelf. You know, right by director, I've got a Fulci section, and and um, but I, I feel like it, it, people always compare Argento and him because they're two big, yeah, two big Italian. Italian. I think Argento, when he is being um, nonsensical or surreal, I think he's doing it deliberately. Whereas I don't find the same thing for Fulci. I don't know if Fulci is being deliberate it's just happening where i'm like wait see i always felt like the opposite with argento for a lot i felt like especially some of his other work where i'm like this isn't on purpose he was just like he just stumbled upon it which is kind of funny because he has like some really great works but like and i feel maybe the same with fulci i mean the beyond is still like like he even mentioned before some of the camera work is just like fantastic and it's so good um and so it's kind of interesting because i feel more that way about argento than i do fulci and you're the opposite yeah i mean because like i feel like argento like i think a lot of it comes from like you know when you see when you rewatch the spirit which you just did it's like you go oh i get it this movie's a fucking fairy tale like and it has a it has that it's like a nightmare and a fairy tale and it feels like both of them you know it's like it, it when i when i read that in suspiria that all the girls were supposed to be like younger I was like, oh, that makes sense. The only problem was they never changed the dialogue afterwards. So they're saying these really fucking childish things, but they're all like in their late teens, whatever. But um, I think Argento, I, I guess for me, I think it's very deliberate. And and I think because it's deliberate, he gets away with murder in some movies where I'm like, cause I remember one movie we did uh, on this podcast, we did opera. And I remember like, yeah. I, can't, I remember there was a little bit of like a, like a, disagreement between all those of us who watched it because it was like I there was things I was like I'm letting it go because I feel like Argento has earned it like the crazy batshit ending in 
opera <laughs> or or the fact that he's like oh birds rec- birds have a good memory they rec- they remember things and i'm like god that's going to play into the movie later on and it does and it's fucking great and i'm like i rewatched it a year ago at a friend's birthday and i was like this is probably my favorite part it's a bird getting revenge you know like they release the birds into the fucking into the opera house and the bird finds the killer and starts attacking him and I'm like I, I god that's fucking brilliant whereas Fulci I feel like Fulci's stuff is a little bit more like when he I mean uh, I'm thinking specifically of his, this trilogy of movies where it's like sometimes yeah. I'm like oh man I don't think that you meant it to be as uh nonsensical as you ended as you did and that's just me that there's something about like what you said about like uh christopher george attacking a fucking casket with a fucking pickaxe oh, yeah. like oh man we're just we're just completely do not care about this making sense maybe yeah this movie although i have never seen the house by the cemetery mm. oh it's it's fucking wonderful and i feel like i think you can see it on shutter it's it's worth watching it's great actually um it's one of the few movies I have the ultra 4K version of because I'm like, oh, I just love the look of this movie and I love the feel. Um, but again, I like that movie for different reasons than I like House by uh, Beyond, uh, The Beyond and, and City of the Living Dead. Um, City of the Living Dead for me is a little bit more straightforward than either one of them. It's a little bit more like I can follow this plot a lot more probably because it's such a, yep, this is the plot. This is the movie. It's priest hangs himself, gates of hell are opened up. What's What, what are you going to do from there? That's the plot. Whereas the other two movies get a little bit more weirder and a little bit more like, eh, I don't know. I, I do love House by Cemetery, um, and I definitely recommend you check it out. Um, but, you know, funny thing that I, I – what I do like about Fulci is that he really goes hard on the horror. Like, I, I was thinking about this when I was watching it this time, or I was thinking about the movie he does before this, which is Zombie, which in Italy is called Zombie 2 because they release – Argento produced – Romero's Dawn of the Dead, he, he he releases a European cut of Dawn of the Dead as Zombie. Um, that was part mm-hmm. of the deal that, that they, he made as a producer. And so Zombie was a big deal in Italy, so they made Zombie 2. Now, here in America, it's just Zombie. I love that, I love that movie. I Ultimately, I'm going to say Dawn of the Dead is a better movie. Um, all Just all around. I mean, it says a lot more. It, there's, a, there's a feel to that movie that's just, that is so... I distinctly remember the first time I saw it, and I was like, I've never seen a movie like this before in my life. And at the time, I hadn't, you know? Whereas Zombie, Fulci Zombie, is not as good of a horror... It's not as good of a... What's the word? How am I trying to put this? It's be, it's more of a scary zombie movie than Dawn of the Dead is. It's not a better movie, but I think if you're like if you're looking for a horror movie about zombies... I think Zom- Fulci's Zombies actually the, would, would be the direction to go. I think you should, if you want to see just a great movie, Dawn of the Dead is the direction to go. Um, but if you, I'm, I'm talking, if you get, you got to get past the fucking part with the shark and the fucking zombie fighting in the ocean. That's fucking hilarious. But the ending of, like, the feel of Fulci's Zombie is more oppressive and darker and more gl- dismal than I think Romero's is. Romero's Dawn of the Dead is way more fun. Um, and it's mm-hmm. a better movie. And it's got a, it's a better social commentary. There's no social commentary in Fulci Zombie. It is just fucking. That's true. Yeah. It's just dark. And it's just depressing. It's like it's great. Um, I definitely, and that's one of the things I love about, you know, City of the Living Dead and and the Beyond and House by the Cemetery is that they are just full on horror. He's not trying to say anything. He's just going. He's just like, no, I'm, I'm making a horror movie. That's it. I'm going for it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm I will say if someone had like a gun to my head and they were like, pick an Italian, it would be Argento. But I do love the beyond and I haven't seen it in a while, but like, I remember it being like one of the better films that I've seen, especially the ending with the beyond. Yeah. The ending's wonderful with the beyond and house by the cemetery. I find myself watching it and I enjoy them both a lot. But I find myself going, like, feeling like they're a lot longer than they actually are. Was City by the City of the Living Dead? I go, oh shit, the movie's over. Like, yeah, we're, we're wrapping up. You know what I mean? Like, it moves a lot faster than the other two. Um, again, that's that's just my my hot take on on that one in the in the three of them. But I think I guess what I meant when I said the horror thing was that like Fulci's because he does you know he does Don't Torture a Duckling in 1972. He does. I mean, he's from 1972 till when he makes House. Uh, uh, City of the Living Dead. He's the guy's working like two movies a year, but 
of the notable ones, Don't Torture a Duckling in, in uh, 72, a year before that he does uh, Lizard in a Woman's Skin, which is probably one of my favorite ones. And then, um, and then in 77 he does The Psychic, which um, is fucking fantastic. Uh, Jennifer O'Neill from Scanners is in it. She plays a woman who has psychic premonitions about her own death, and, and um, it, the movie just goes from there. But it's, I, the reason why I bring those movies up is specifically the psychic is that like it's a kind of because the psychic is is a thriller but it's also kind of a horror movie is that he, he there's there Fulci knows how to restrain himself like he knows how to like pull it back but i think what happens is he does zombie and zombies just a like gore fest i mean the eye scene alone is just like holy shit and you know it's gonna happen before it's gonna happen like he's not really gonna oh he's doing it it's fucked up you know but like he goes all <laughs> out with the gore in zombie and I think once the and it, zombie does, you know, he gets a reputation. So I think he's just like, okay, that's my thing now. That's what I'm doing now. I'm just, I'm going balls to the wall. And I feel like, you know, there's something artistic about Argento's gore. I don't think there's something as artistic. I think it's just, you know, for with Fulci, it's just gory. That makes any sense. Yeah. But once he does zombie, man, fuck, forget about it, man. He is all in. Like, the psychic has a pretty fucking brutal scene in the beginning, but it's pretty restrained. I think... I think in his older age, he just goes, eh, fuck that. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, the, 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 the fucking handcuffs are off. I'm going crazy. I'm going to literally, again, I, I brought and bring this up because it's probably my favorite, one of my favorite scenes of this movie. He literally, there's a girl who pukes her guts out. She starts vomiting. <laughs> and then she, she sees vom- the breeze and then she's just like, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and like, what the fuck? And like, um, one character, I won't give it away, but one character gets, gets killed because, uh, a zombie or whatever, uh, some undead thing, grabs him from the back of his head and like basically squishes his brains with their death with a death grip. It is fucking like insane. Like the gore in this movie is just, it's not as cl- <laughs> like I said. Argento is just there's something about Argento where it's like I feel like I could almost get away with showing my mother Suspiria, where I'm like, okay, you're going to see a close up of somebody's heart getting punctured with a, a knife, but it's also really good looking. Like, it looks so good. You yeah. Know? I mean, Whereas- Suspiria is, like, God, it's so cool looking. I, even rewatching yeah. it, and, you know, me and you got to see that 4K restoration, which was, like, honestly beautiful. But it's stylized. It's very stylish. Yes, yeah, very stylish. Whereas, um, like, Fulci's is not as much on style. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> so, I, 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 I don't know. I, I really enjoy City Living Dead a lot. Um like I said, in a, in some ways, I like it more than I like the Beyond, and I like it more than House of the Cemetery. Um, again, they all have their their their. It, it, those three movies are like the fucking Indiana Jones, the original Indiana Jones trilogy, where it's like, yeah, you can make an argument why any one of these is better than the other. You know, same thing with City of uh, except the, for the Crystal Skull. Well, that's why I said the original trilogy, <laughs> yeah, or Dial <laughs> Uh, no, I, it's, like, really enjoyable. I mean, sometimes you just, like, want to watch, like, a ridiculous, like, horror film, and I feel like here you can. The atmosphere, Um, though, in this movie is very, I love it, like, the small New England town atmosphere, which is funny because the movie was Oh, yeah, wasn't it? I looked it up, because, yeah, I was like, this is, is this in New England? And then when I looked, it was like, no, <laughs> Canada it's Savannah, or something. No, it's Savannah, Georgia. Oh, wait, yeah. No, it was parts of it were Savannah because mm-hmm. uh, they used some of the old cemeteries, which is cool because uh, <clears throat> those cemeteries are actually really interesting. Um, yeah. I haven't gone a lot, but Savannah is very cool. And there's mm-hmm. that cemetery, Mid Midtown, Midway Cemetery, um, right outside Savannah, like the city part. And it's really cool looking. It's really creepy. I actually have like a bunch of black and white Polaroids that I took there um, that like a look really creepy because the stones are very old and et cetera. But I think um, some of the like outside shots weren't in Georgia at all, which I thought was particularly funny. Yeah, Um, there's something very cool about the atmosphere in this movie. Not the imagery of like the like the surreal imagery of the Beyond, like, um, but like there's something about this really kind of weird small town atmosphere in or small town gone to shit atmosphere in oh in yeah city living dead really like it was like parts of it were new york obviously and then um savannah which very cool um i think i was thinking of that john carpenter film because i was just watching it too which i forgot about which is which not one? shot in new england either 
Um, the Fog? <laughs> Prince of Dark. Uh, no, Prince of Darkness, right? Oh, that was shot in L.A. Uh, for sure. Sam Neill? Yeah. Uh, no, Sam that's um, in the Mouth of Madness. God, I always do that. I always, It was in the Mouth of Madness. In the Mouth of Madness yeah, yeah. is not shot in New England, even though it looks just like New England. It's but, it's yeah, this is... Very cool New England vibe, yeah. But if you, like, have a chance to check out those old cemeteries ever, like, you should, because they're very cool looking. And also, like, the old gravestones have, like, a lot of cool, like, little death poems on them, if you will. Or, like, <laughs> I don't know. They don't, they don't make them like they used to. And surprisingly and creepy enough, I found like maybe four gravestones with my birthday on them which i feel like never happens so yeah isn't it um but no i i it's surprising that he shot this in america even though like everything else is in english and etc yeah some of it was shot in 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 rome but it's funny you mentioned in the mouth of madness the last thing i wanted to bring up was you know fulci Fulci made this because he wanted to make he was like he was rereading Lovecraft it was inspired by Lovecraft now when you watch this movie you realize that I don't think he quite understood what makes Lovecraft's stuff work because a lot of Lovecraft stuff <laughs> is just like I can't tell you what's happening I can't describe to you what's happening because it's so fucked up you'll go crazy I feel like so but he uses like Dunwich which is a, a Lovecraft town yeah um, he's you know it, it, but it, it, whereas in the mouth of madness even though it has, you know, it's it's still very much a Carpenter movie, it definitely does have a little bit more of a Lovecraftian feel in theme, and it, I mean, even right to the point where, like, when Sam Neill's running at the end, and there's the the older god, the old the elder gods behind him, or the old gods behind him, and they're chasing after him, you barely see them because that's what, and that that to me feels more like a Lovecraftian mo- like move than like you just get a glimpse, and that glimpse is enough to fucking fuck you up, you know? Um, but, yeah. Where, so, so I just think it's funny. This is what I meant when I say I think I don't think Fulci's as as deliberate as some people would think. Is that like he's like, yeah, I wanted to make something that was inspired. I was inspired by Lovecraft, and it's like, don't know which Lovecraft story you read. I'd love to read it because <laughs> I don't know where. I mean, none of it. Like Lovecraft is all about subtlety and mood and like whatever. And Fulci is just a blunt hammer. Yeah, I like, like that. He is a blunt hammer. I do like that too. Um, there is a great. We're gonna make this girl throw up her guts, like. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, and the maggots thing. I'm just like, I, I thought I wrote this down when we were watching. I was like, are maggots really scary, or are they just inconvenient? Like, if you're covered they're in maggots, disgusting. Just, I don't know disgusting. if they're. Yeah, like I would hate that. Like, ugh. like I don't know. I think I would hate that more than anything. Like, I'd rather get like someone's guts puked on me than be covered in maggots to be honest neither have happened ever for me to compare but if there was ever a way i could arrange that for you just to see like (laughs) what you prefer i would do that because um i'm curious to see if you would really have like you're like if somebody's guts were like all over your face you'd be like well it's better than maggots i don't know i don't know yeah it's better than being covered in maggots you know (laughs) um but uh yeah he um he, uh, what am I trying to say? He's something all right. <laughs> okay, There's a great documentary about him called um, F is Fulci, which is a riff off F is for Fake, the Orson Welles documentary. There's a documentary about Fulci, F is for Fulci. Um, it's streaming on a bunch of different platforms. You can definitely find it. It's not hard. Tubi might even have it, I think. Um, but check that out. Yeah, because I'm going to watch it. He was like, you know, for a guy, he was very, um, for a guy who made so many fucking movies, he hated a lot of actors. He hated actors, and he loved putting them through hell. Um, the little kid in uh, okay, my last complaint about my last gripe about this movie, or my only gripe about this movie, is there's a character in this movie named John John. <laughs> there's a little boy whose name I just I can't stand him. But um, there's a scene where he's supposed <laughs> to do something, and he can't fucking he couldn't figure it out. Like he couldn't like open the door, look whatever. He kept fucking it up. Fulci apparently loses his shit. And fucking, like, yells at the kid and fucking back, like, gives him a slap. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that would never happen today. Um, so you think about that. There, there, if you if you find the any of the DVDs of um, City of the Living Dead, there is some great beyond uh, bonus features, one of which is a bunch of actors talking about working with Fulci. Two or three of them are like, oh, Fulci is a wonderful guy. He was such a sweetheart. He's such a great guy. And then you've got other actors who are like, Oh, he was fucking brutal. Like, they never say, like, I hated working with him, but they're always like, God damn, like, he could be a fucking piece of shit, you know? And, like, 
And it's just interesting to me when you when somebody can conjure up like the guy who plays the psychiatrist and he's like, oh, Lucio, what a wonderful guy. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, I, that's more shocking to me. Than, yeah. yeah. But um, that that's is our funny. Italian. We may, I don't know. We may stay in Italy for a little bit. We may not. Who knows? There's so many Italian great Italian movies we've we've uh, we've never covered and we've talked about covering. So um, but for this one, this was City of the Living Dead. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Check it out. Bye. Close those gates. We interrupt this program to bring you a special broadcast. Some which police authorities have declared a state of emergency. Effective immediately. In Dunwich County, all citizens are requested to return to their homes as quickly as possible. In case of necessity, contact this station. trance did you see anything besides that tombstone oh yes i saw a priest who by hanging himself opened the gates of hell what it's all saints day a demanding implacable enemy whose search for blood is never satiated <laughs>